86% of homeowners now have 20% home equity and, and more than 60% have 50% home equity. We're just not in the same ballpark as we were when we got into trouble in 2008. So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui, ready for State of the Market 44 with Paul Morris. Paul, so good to see you, man. Hey, man, good to see you. And, uh, you know, now we are, we're practicing, it's not social distancing because we're doing more and more social, it's now physical distancing. Yeah, physical distancing. I mean, people, social is like, I don't know how many Zoom calls I was on today or how many you were on today, but it seems like every day now I spend more time like on video, I see more people than I was before shelter in place now. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's also, uh, it's also can be a more, it can be a much more effective, uh, use of time for sure. And you're still seeing people. It's not the same as being in person, but it's better than a phone call. And anytime you go to a meeting, you know, I drag myself out of the house, get, you know, park the car, blah, blah, blah. So I'm, I'm hitting these one after another. Yeah. Well, you are still looking good. I've seen the memes from people like, you know, day one of Zoom and then day 40, people are showing up to the business meeting, drinking a beer, but you're, you still got it. Glad to see the, uh, you rocking out here. So we're, we're on like day probably 38 of shelter in place in California. I know we, Texas is like a few days behind you. What is it? Has the mood gotten better, gotten worse about like it was a couple of weeks ago? How are, how are people in LA feeling right now? Well, there's, I, I find that there's a real lag uh, between what what uh, what we're told to do and what's actually happening to public the public getting a hold of it. So, you know, I was one of the few people that were still flying around the country a little bit as as I as I felt like I had to and being super careful about it. And two three weeks ago, you know, you could fly into some of the big airports and nobody even had uh, personal protection uh, on, and now just everybody has it. So there there's a real awareness of it. One of the things which was a resource that I was looking at all the way along is, is something called healthdata.org, which is now, it's now gotten so popular that the government is relying on it. And, and we watched as the curves, you know, the curves and the expected curves. And that, what, what that tells us is where we think we're going to be in the next month in terms of COVID infections and that sort of thing and resources required to handle them. And California has completely flattened out. So, so whatever, for whatever reasons, uh, social distancing, all that sort of thing, it has really worked in California in a way that obviously it did not in places like New York. Yeah. You know, California jumped on it ahead of time. I mean, they kind of went on shelter in place. When it first went on, people were like thinking this is a big overreaction kind of. They kind of mm -hmm. felt like this was happening too fast. There wasn't any cases yet. And then now there's no curve. It is flattened. So now they've actually, they actually started opening up some beaches out there, right? Yeah, that's, that, that's crazy. I haven't seen it here in LA. It's still, you know, there are still a lot of things that we're getting used to it. But, you know, as recently as a week ago, I would drive around and be like, wow, it really does look like the end of times. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, somehow like where does Santa Monica come up with the resources? Right, Like oh, the entire beach is fenced off. Like, how do you get like, do you have that much fencing laying around or like, <laughs> it's, it's scary. Yeah. There's how are they ready? Up. 
Yeah, they, I think either yesterday or a week from yesterday in Texas, they're going to open up all the parks again. And so you can go to parks, but you have to get an online reservation through the system. And there's a lot of like national park, you know, public park areas, like hot, you know, natural springs and stuff here. So they're going to make people, but yeah, everywhere you go, people are wearing masks. If you're about to walk into a store in Travis County, it says you're not allowed to go into anywhere without wearing, you know, without a face covering. They don't call it a mask. So you have to have a face covering. So I went into Lowe's and big old sign on the door. Don't come in unless you've got a face covering and, but they could be anything. So that'll be a, a business that starts popping is uh, designer face covers for. Uh, I have, I, I wish that if I knew you were going to mention that, I would break out my sort of pink camo mask, you know? Yeah. Uh, you'd be very impressed. Yes. People that that's going to be the next branding thing people are doing. Like, Hey, make sure you're wearing your Keller Williams mask when you go show properties. The, uh, well, that is awesome. I am. I, I'm. I'm happy to see you in such good spirits, and you really have your finger on so much of the stuff that's happening out on the West Coast in real estate. I've been watching so much stuff happening in Texas and news all over. There's a lot of news for us to talk about um, that I thought would be uh, really cool to get into. Um, you know, maybe at the beginning, I just wanted to share. This was an image uh, that was shared. A friend. A friend of mine's an agent out in, in Sacramento. So this is Northern California, mm-hmm. and he sent over some real estate statistics. Named Zach Bacon. And he said the first two weeks of April versus the first two weeks of March. And March. And so this was just the Sacramento area. Mm-hmm. It's the number of homes for sale. If you're comparing the first two weeks of April compared to the first two weeks of March, there's 13% more houses on the market. Mm-hmm. Pending home sales down 27%. So the number of homes that were pending first two weeks of March, there's 27% less. And the number of homes that sold the first two weeks of March, March 30% less than the first two weeks in uh, or if a uh, first two week leaks in April less than thirty percent than the thir- first two in March, Austin is similar. So I also then I then I wanted to pull up and say, hey, is that everywhere? Central Texas Realtors said last month, uh, and this is just the March statistics. So they don't have April yet, but the beginning of March, you know, this kind of hit midway through March, and it says last in March, new listings decreased twelve percent, mm-hmm. uh, active listings dropped twenty six percent, and pending sales decreased twenty percent. So there are. I, I see two things with that. There are uh, fewer transactions happening, but still a lot of transactions happening. Is it similar out in LA right now? What do you think we take well, from all that? Well, first of all, it, it really is similar. And I find it in a way to be surprising because uh, Los Angeles Mayor Garcetti is one of the strictest around. And he is, he has, uh, the governor said real estate is an essential, tra- essential part of business, therefore essential transaction. And Mayor Garcetti just came out and said, no showing homes. So, uh, you know, if you can't sell, if you can't show them, uh, you can't sell them. Now, that being said, once something opens escrow, so when escrow is opened, it then becomes an essential financial operation to close escrow. So we get some people working around it. The bottom line is uh, there, there's still housing uh, is still selling. We're, our numbers are very similar to the ones that you mentioned in Sacramento. And I get a chance to look into the future a little bit. And, you know, the, the numbers are very starkly low in terms of May. So a big difference for sure. Yeah. And May is, you, and May is a hot time in California. I mean, home sales in May is like the Mecca, but, but there's going to be different I mean, part of that's because school is about to get out for different times, sure. but every, all that changes now, all the things that were driving May before people aren't in school, you know, different people are going to be incentivized in different ways. So, right. Uh, and one of the things that one of the things that you know I, I think is worthy of, and I'm talking to, it's part of what I do for a living. You know, I talk to the experts. I talk, you know, National Association of Realtors, uh, head economist, California Association of Realtors. I talk to a bunch of different people, uh, looking at listing, trying to get really great 
uh, information and staying away from the staying away from the crazy, you know, clickbait type news. And and the thing that I come down with is, um, you know, that's like let's be proactive for sure. Let's make the best out of this for sure. And also, you know, one of the messages I have too to our uh, to our amazing audience is let's also have a real a reality check. Okay, these are historic times. Okay, this is going to be yeah. sort of a nine eleven or Great Recession type event. There's no question. We went through two thousand eight, and it was very tough for all of us. But the message that I have for realtors is, is, you know, what's different, what's the same. Okay. So uh, we can affect our outcomes more than the outside world. Okay. So for example, in 2008, we emerged, I, I didn't want 2008 to happen. It was very painful. Uh, but when we emerged from 2008 is when we really took market share and became number one in Los Angeles. So the things that are different this time are that nine out of the last 10 recessions were led by a big drop in the housing market, okay? And that's wow. not the case this time. This time we were healthy before, we are still at historically low interest rates, okay? So, you know, the high was 1981, where we had 18.6, right? And the all-time low was November of 2012, where it was 3.3, okay? And now when we come out of this, with the way interest rates are looking, I wouldn't be surprised. It's, you know, we're hovering a, a bit above that, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a dip even lower than that. So I think there's a lot of things in our control. There's a lot of things in our favor, definite reality check. And also we can be proactive and change the fate of what we're doing out, outside of this. Yeah, the, I was trying to figure out a stat because just a week or two ago when this started happening, we were looking at the numbers of just the amount of people in the US that have equity this time. Mm -hmm. which that was not in 2008, 2009, like everything that was happening back then, it was because no one had equity, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so, but the number right now, the it's, and, and I don't have the statistic to be able to even come close to, but it was, I was you know, so surprised at the number of people that had at least 30 to 40% equity in their house. And it was mm -hmm. so much there that even if we start to see changes there, that's why there's still going to be a real estate market. That's why you know, the business oh, yeah. will change a little bit but transactions will have to happen. I mean, I've got fantastic news. My house that I listed for sale uh, two weeks ago in Austin, right? So I had to list it. I had just moved into a new home. We got an offer on it and, the, and we're in escrow. And, the, and that was one of those things where we're like, hey, we did a great virtual mm -hmm. tour. You know, my agent on it did amazing pictures, amazing. He did like, he did such an epic job at presenting this and he was going and doing live videos and everything there. And the, but people do want to transact, but he wasn't a lazy agent. He worked so, so hard. And so yeah. you're going to see, you know, people have equity, but they need agents to work really, really hard. Um, that, that brings one of the other articles that came up. So this one is on Inman and it just, you know, it just kind of brought, you know, made credit to some of that it says how curbside closings are keeping the market moving. So, you know, there was an Atlanta law firm has been conducting mobile closings for 14 years. Now a global pandemic has given their model with emerging technologies much needed attention. And there's pictures in here of people, you know, driving up, signing documents from their car as they're going. I got an email. We have business out in Mississippi and I got an email from the governor's office in Mississippi that said they are now making notaries are okay over webcam. So for the state of Mississippi, you can wow. get on a webcam with a notary. You can sign the documents. You mail it to them. They'll stamp it after that, send it in as notarized. The, what are you thinking about that? that? You know, so the, the idea of you know, curbside stuff, have you heard of this happening right now? Like are people, the, tra the transactions you're seeing, are people transacting from their car, from home? What's going on? 
Yeah, we're, we're definitely, uh, you know, I, I, I was on another call with, uh, with maybe the single top agent in the United States, and he was telling me he sold his first, you know, giant Malibu home uh, without, uh, without, with just a virtual tour. You know, they opened the escrow with, a, with just a virtual tour, and then they were able to have people go through. But, you know, I, I, this one of these things, you know, you're right, it's a more discerning market so that if a home is priced right, you know, it's going to sell. And you're, uh, you're, I grabbed the stat that you were talking about before. In, in 2011, the aggregate home equity was $7 trillion. In 2011, $7 trillion. And, and now is $15.5 trillion. Okay, yeah. more than doubled in 2018. And then the percentages too are really, are really pretty amazing. So that, so that 86% of homeowners now have 20% home equity and, and more than 60% have 50% home equity. We're just not in the same ballpark as we were when we got into trouble in 2008. Right. That is an amazing statistic because right. in, in 2008, what happened was people couldn't make their payments and they needed to sell and they were underwater, right? So now you're, you're going to have some situations where people can't make their payments, but they've got a hundred thousand in equity in their house. They can now sell their house, live off that for the next year. Like there is this big piggy bank. And I think that $15 trillion equity had taken a hit in the last week, you know? So I don't know if it's 14 trillion or 14 and a half or what it is, Yeah, absolutely. but but there's still a big piggy bank there for most people. And I I think real estate is actually going to, some of those, those bank accounts going to maybe lead some of the recovery people being able to sell their houses, capture that equity and live off of it when jobs might not be coming back. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui. And as you know, when you've been hearing these episodes, so many of our guests give us lots of free gifts and share the tools they've been using to become successful. We've got free real estate tools, scripts, eBooks, marketing materials, and more. We keep track of everything in our vault and it's updated with new items each and every week. If you want access to that stuff, it's totally free for being a listener. All you have to do is go to agentsuccesstoolbox.com, agentsuccesstoolbox.com, and get your free gifts now. Amazing stats. So going down the line of probably some stats that we can add a lot of flavor to. So Bloomberg. So the uh, article came out the April, yesterday at three. It says, American homeowners grab at mortgage forbearance during lockdown. Now, we talked about this a lot on our you know, foreclosure stuff out in Texas. Um, you know, foreclosures got postponed. Uh, not as many posted, but it says almost 6% of U.S. mortgage borrowers have stopped making their payments since the passage of the CARES Act. So 6% of people that were paying their mortgage did not. So share of home loans and forbearance jumped to 5.95% during the week. So I guess that means so that's saying 6% of people actually got their bank to delay their payments for a couple months, you know? And so part of me thinks 6% is a huge number. And part of me thinks, well, I think there were some forecasts out there that said it was going to be 20 or 30% of people weren't paying their mortgage. What yeah. do you see in mortgage? I mean, we've seen some stuff with rents that are surprising. Yeah. You know, uh, that's a surprisingly low number to me. Um, that it's, I think it's a good I think it's a good indicator. Another thing that's very interesting about that is, is that, and it could well tie nicely into to the statistic that you brought up before about home equity is that, you know, if you're sitting on a pile of equity, okay, a lender is going to be more secure in that. And one of the things they want to do is they want to make sure that they don't have to write it down as bad debt. So if they, if you approach them and you say, Hey, 
look, I'm having some problems. I'd like a little, uh, a little forbearance. Um, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to have you pay. Uh, we're not going to forgive the payments, but we'll tack them onto the back on kind of an interest only kind of thing, which on a 30 year mortgage, you know, it doesn't cost you a lot if they're going to do it that way to, uh, to not pay your mortgage for, for a few months. Um, and that way they can keep the loan on their books as a performing loan. They don't have to say, oh, geez, we're have to send a notice of default. They're 30 days late. They're 20 days late. As soon as they, as soon as they grant that and you sign it, um, it's now a performing loan again because it's performing according to the new agreement and it doesn't cost the bank very much. Whereas if we were upside down in equity, you know, the banks might be desperate to try and like, oh, hey, that's, that's harvest whatever equity we can now because we kick it to the, to the back of the road, you know, we're just going to end up with nothing like they did in 2008. So it's yeah. different. It was a race back then. I, I hadn't even put that together, but as you're saying, that, that makes so much sense, right? Those, cause those equity numbers are huge, mm-hmm. right? There's so much equity out there. So it does make a lot more sense that the banks are saying, look, we, yes, we'll give you a few months. Cause there's still a ton of equity in that house. They know that they're not going to run away. And in 2009, they needed to go, they needed to force to foreclosure quickly because they knew they weren't getting anything back. They knew it wasn't. And the market was going down every month. And so they were like, we're going to have to do this. These banks know that no matter what, they're getting their money back, even if the houses are going to lose 10% in value. So, And one of the things that we can do on this program, and it's not for this particular episode, is make sure that we're talking to people that are really giving realtors actionable steps because there's stuff that realtors can do right now uh, that will make all the difference. This is state of the markets. So we're talking about what's the news, and this is a good informative piece so that that realtors can listen to this and have talking points and know where to go for, uh, for valuable statistics and, and information. Um, and and we're, loading the, we're loading the queue up with people that are going to tell us, hey, what is going to go on with realtors? What can, how can we affect, uh, impact a change for us? See, here's the thing, okay? Um, again, had a conversation with probably the number, maybe one of the number one realtor in the United States today, and his, his area is Malibu. So he's number one uh, market share in Malibu, of course. Now, if I'm talking to an agent and that agent is number 18 in market share in Malibu, okay, how do you get from 18 to like number five? Well, you better tackle 17 and 16, and right? I mean, when the market yeah. is good and everybody's doing all their stuff, um, you know, it's a slog to really jump ahead of the queue. But now there's a real opportunity because it, it gives us a chance to be very active right now. And going out and touching your sphere and doing what I've been calling an eye care message. So just checking in with people. You don't have to say, are you ready to buy or sell or, or, or uh, you know, give me a referral. Checking in with people and being a source of information, a source of light in this, at this time will set you apart. And most people are not doing it. So now is the time that some activity, learning the stats, learning your neighborhood, and getting out there on social media and also just pounding the phones and checking in on people. Make a yeah. big difference. We started doing that with all the members of all of our different software and lead data stuff and just reaching out to people and saying, no, seriously, this is not a sales call. How are you doing? How are you feeling with all this? Is there anything we could be doing better to help you? And, they, and people are like, whoa, no one has called me from anywhere. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. really? No, we legitimately care. Yeah. And so the, yes, there are people are dying for some of that content. Because even though you and I are on a ton of Zoom calls and a lot of our listeners out there are probably on them, not all your customers are. And some, of you, and some of your customers and your sphere, oh, they, they're, they're waiting to hear. You know, I, I thought a, an interesting stat I just want to share some personal experience that I think goes in line with some of that mortgage stuff. So we were really worried about people not paying rent. We were, and, the, and we have 350 houses in, in the greater Texas area that are rentals. Mm-hmm. And of those, we've only had, you know, 10 or 15 of them 
that said that they weren't going to pay rent this month because of COVID, right? That they were, that they were not going to pay and, you know, that, that, you know, they were going to pay after when they could. And we were expecting a really big number. So that was more really like five to 6% of our pool. Now, on, though I do have one neighborhood where we have a bunch of houses next to each other um, where there, you know, we have 15 houses and of those almost half of them, were in that bigger tranche that said, hey, we're not paying. Now, in that case, I think they just went and talked to their neighbors and said, hey, I'm not going to pay. If you don't pay, if none of us pay, nothing can happen right now. Uh, maybe they won't make us pay it back later and have an empty neighborhood. And so the, it's, so the rent payment's been better than I thought. And then today, I heard a lot of people, uh, you know, some people close to us in business, unemployment started kicking in with that extra 600 bucks a week. So some people that have been on unemployment got yes. an extra $2,400 today. And now from now on, they'll get the extra 600. So the rental market not performing as bad as I thought it would now. Uh, and we're midway through April. Now, a lot of people say May will be a different story. But now by the time May comes, those unemployment benefits are really kicking in. Did, what do you, have you heard anything with, with uh, retail rents, single family rents, anything like that? Yeah. So, you know, I also have a portfolio of, of residential, which has, has not, you know, multifamily, 600 doors, and it has not been hit. Yet we're having, you know, a few, we have a few, you know, when times are good, you have a few that don't pay and we're certainly have more that aren't paying now than before, but it's not the kind of numbers that we were concerned about. And one of the things is that, um, again, you know, real estate led us into the crash in 2008 for sure. Now with everybody affected, um, I'm seeing more of a, more of a, a spread where real estate itself is not going to be the, not going to be the target of it. So, so what's going to happen is, you know, what happens if a retail, retail space, you know, they just can't pay their rent. So then, you know, mall owner doesn't collect very much and they can't pay their rent. It's going to get kicked down to, to the servicers, to eventually the insurers. And, and the government right now is not going to let uh, it's not going to let this system fail. You know, again, 2008, they were bailing out the banks. Not the case right now. Banks have, are, are, are flush with, with money. So yeah. very, very different circumstances. I did have a, a, a friend who was an investor. There's lots of, you know, malls because of the weather or whatever. And in L.A., there's just strip malls everywhere. Yeah, there are malls very, everywhere in L.A. Yeah, right? And a very, a very uh, large one. Uh, a, a friend of mine who's an investor told me that 15 percent not 15 percent failed to pay only 15 percent did pay and i was like wow that's crazy you know but like you mentioned before when we were talking before and i saw the article too like at the minute this thing happened publicly traded company cheesecake cheesecake factory just said you know what we're not we're not paying our rent yeah uh, you know here's here's our news news flash so they're going to preserve that they're going to preserve that equity and on the other side of it they're going to say, hey, you know what? We're still a good tenant. We were a good tenant before this. We just couldn't keep our door. We, we couldn't keep our doors open. So we're not paying you. And I, I think this whole thing is going to be more like a pause button. Okay. than it is uh, a, a real, a real hammer in the, in the, in the coffin on that. Yeah. I think as they, as those retail people work it out with their tenants too, I think there's going to be a difference between the tenant that operated at half, like, cause some restaurants are doing okay, right? Mm -hmm. They're getting there, but they're having to change their services, laying some people off, but they're still doing delivery. So they're not, their revenue isn't at zero. And then you have probably tenants in like these enclosed malls, 
like up in Sacramento, it's just it's this enclosed mall where the door is closed to get in, right? And so even if they wanted to go to the work, they're not going to. So that's also a little different. So if the mall closes its doors, what are the tenants' obligations if they're not even allowed to show up? So the that 15% number, although that is, I mean, crazy, astronomical. astronomically low, it's not, it's not, it's shocking, but it's not shocking. It's shocking, right. but it makes sense. So the, uh, yeah, there is, there are different parts of the market and the, and so far it feels like commercial has been hit the hardest, but again, there is, that's the American dream. There's so much money behind that later and people are going to be dying to go walk through a mall as soon as they're allowed to go out there. So, I mean, I'm dying to go to a restaurant and just sit without a mask on and eat next to people. So, yes, we, that, we, will come. that will come in time. Yes, we are almost there. So the, you know, so one of those kind of things, so yesterday, day before Senate approved 310 billion in new funding for the small business loan program. So last week, PPP came out and a lot of people got that loan right away. And then they said 350 billion, sorry, it's spent. Now you don't get it anymore. And then uh, like a month ago, we were on the podcast telling people go on. And if you own a business, you could sign up for this EIDL $10,000 emergency loan. It was supposed to fund in three days, but ended up funding like 40 days later. And it was a thousand per employee instead of 10,000 per company. So yes. some companies got 10,000, some companies got a thousand. Um, but it is, it still is money that got out there, but now there's new, so now they approved another 310 billion yesterday. What have you, what have you heard about that, about people that got the loan, aren't getting the loan? Do you think it's good they gave another 310 approved for it? Oh yeah, I mean, well look, so, so and I was feeling like the dunce in the crowd for sure, because uh, you know, the people who got on it right away, got on it quickly, were getting their loans funded. And then I'm talking to so many people about it. You know, there was sort of a, a yes, no checkbox where it was like, no, 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 no. But then if you check the last one, you didn't read it properly. The last one needed to be a yes. And, and that just kicked like so many different ones out. And, and, and I had a friend that knew that and reapplied recently and got the money right away. So it seems to be a very uneven uh, doling out of the, of the money. And I was talking to people that got it. We applied, we applied for EIDL. We applied for PPP. We got nothing. I was talking to friends last night at midnight, uh, my CFO was texting me and she's like, oh, wow, hey, I found EIDL money in one of the accounts. And then she just went account after account after account. And we got, we applied with 15 companies. Uh, we applied for all of them. We got nine of them just hit the account. Uh, cool. Now, to your point, okay, you know, I have a lot of real estate investments. So I have 30 LLCs. That would have been 300 grand. I actually know somebody that had 40 LLCs and got 10 grand per LLC. They got 400 grand. Now those wow. thirty LLCs, if the if the EIDL, EIDL sorry funding comes in, instead of three hundred grand, I'll be getting thirty grand. I got to tell you, I'm going to be happy with the thirty grand. It'll be a nice little relief. So we're getting the EIDL money in the fifteen companies we have employees. So so it's ranging from I think the high well the high was ten you know and then all the way down to like four four thousand for our smallest one. So. Uh, you know, so that's working. And then PPP, we have them some approved, but when they ran out of money, no more. So now the approvals are coming in. Now the message for the people out there is yeah. if you didn't even apply it, you absolutely still should do that. You totally can. It is getting easier to do. Um, and, and you can apply right online and, and it would be a great idea to put the, uh, to put the links up with this, with this show for sure. 
Yeah, we'll put the links in the show notes because yeah, right now you search SBA EIDL, it'll take you to the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. There's a link to go to coronavirus. And the first one where you're requesting up to 10,000 per company, and that's 1,000 per employee that's out there, that's a really easy application. It takes four or five minutes. You know your bank account number, your tax ID number, what your gross revenue was. So take the time to do it. Even if you only get $1,000 and it's a month from now, it'll be 10 minutes of your effort, 15 minutes of your effort, and that $1,000 make a, business, a difference. And if you have a bunch of employees, you can do even more. And then those bigger ones, the PPP and the EIDL, just ask your banker. I mean, one of the problems a couple of weeks ago was some of the bigger banks, Chase Bank, US Bank, they weren't ready for it yet. And what we heard was a lot of smaller ones funded. Now Chase and US Bank is saying, hey, we're ready for this next one. Um, and so yep. talk to your banker. They'll yep. walk you through it. The, um, yeah, they, they want to help do these loans. Um, oh, yeah. So, for sure. yep. So more money out there available. Go apply now for something if you haven't. It's kind of like when, when people are, uh, got put on, our, on unemployment in our company, some of them were like, I don't want to get put on unemployment. And I said, hey, you've paid into this your whole life. Every time you've gotten a paycheck, a yes. certain part of that paycheck has gone yeah. out there. You are not being too proud. It is not a shameful. Like, this is your money that's been in that savings account, and you're entitled to it. And the, and it, the EIDL, I think, is, is treated the same way. We pay into, into tax monies and, and programs like this. So get what you can. And, uh, and I think it's great that they opened it back up, too, because there was a lot of heartbroken people that said, hey, I, I missed the boat. That doesn't feel very fair. And that's one way to make it fair. So the you know, news article... Not that surprising. Existing home sales slammed with the first major drop in March, NAR. As the coronavirus outbreak hits, U.S. existing home sales fell 8.5% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 5.27 million units, you know, caused by that. So again, it's similar news to what we saw before, right? Like there's less transactions, but transactions are still happening. Anything else that you thought with that article says, despite the drop in sales, Median home in the U.S. costs 280000 up 8% from last year. So year over year, price is still up 8%, uh, just less sales. And it, you know, and, and, and it lags behind because unlike the stock market, which is very fluid or, you know, we saw like crazy news, like, like uh, you know, barrel of oil has gone to zero. I'm like, wait a minute, that's a, how's that possible, right? Um, well, there's no demand. It costs money to store it. It costs money to transport it. Uh, there's your answer. Okay, well, I had to read the article because I couldn't even understand the headline. Now, these things are very fluid. Uh, what happens is people that are selling homes have an idea of what their house is worth, and it doesn't come into the point where they really need to sell it, that they're, they have to sell it at a point where somebody will buy it. Okay, so there's this, there's this sort of lag period. But again, this is very different than, uh, than 2008, and we don't know where this is going. And I do believe that that real estate, because it didn't lead us into this issue, even if we're stuck in a global recession, um, the stock market already got clobbered, right? So I believe that, uh, that real estate could be a safe haven. I really do. Um, and and that's, that's, uh, that's great talking points for, for realtors to, to talk to uh, potential clients about. People still need to buy and sell homes, period. And it's, and it's, a, it's a pretty good place to park money. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're. I think I think you're right. Especially when you get to look at that. Now, again, we'll see. We'll see some corrections, but that's it's a good time to buy, right? It's a good time to buy where you could probably go get a deal right mm -hmm. now out there because there is, you know, because the agents that are working harder are making deals happen. Here, how about this article? Netflix posts explosive growth, but warns it may not last. So, is this like a who 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 are the biggest winners of coronavirus? 
yeah. up there. Well, like, you know, when we reported, uh, it's been a little while, and we reported, I, you know, I came out with a, with a piece of news is like, you know, everybody was laying everybody off, and Amazon was adding 100,000 employees. You know, of course they are. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, there, and, and I will say this, okay, um, the world as we know it has changed. It really has. There's, and, and I believe that it, it can really help our businesses. Uh, we take the upside of it and work, us, work our rear ends off to mitigate the downside. And there are going to be winners and losers that emerge. You know, I hate when I read the news stories and say, this is going to be the biggest wealth transfer again, because I'm like, huh, well, I have some money now, but if I'm like everybody else, even if you have some money, you're like, geez, I wish I had more. So, I, you know, like what, what piece of this wealth transfer, you know, am I going to get? Uh, not that much. But I think there's also going to be uh, people who are resilient and who can, uh, who can go, with the, go with, the, with the times are really going. People that know how to use technology or are willing to use technology. Even when you said at the beginning of the uh, podcast, which I didn't know, and I'm like, wow. Okay, so you can go to the parks in Austin, Texas, but you have to make an online reservation. I mean, can you imagine? These are things we would never be talking about. So things yeah. are going to be done a little differently. And, and I don't think it's all, all for, the, for the worse, for sure. Yeah, it's a, so many technology plays out there. And when you think about every little thing like that, so I've been thinking like Zoom is winning, Netflix is winning. There's all these companies that are crushing it in this, but there's all sorts of new opportunities that come from this too. Like the one company that, hey, they do, they've been doing mobile closes forever. Well, now and everyone's done mobile closes forever, but now it's, it's a need. There'll be new technology around that, being able to notarize from home. Last statistic that I think, uh, last piece of news for the day. I mean, this was a jam-packed state of the market, Paul. There was so much stuff that you and I were able to, to add into this. The, you know, this big one, I think, affects, it affects me. It affects you out in LA. It says, wealthy mortgage borrowers face cold shoulder from lenders. And so the article says, this is from Bloomberg. Prashant Gopal is one of the, the uh, authors for this one. It says, wealthiest, most reliable mortgage borrowers in the U.S. are hearing an unfamiliar word from lenders. No. The global pandemic has flipped the mortgage market upside down, turning the industry's most valued customers into likely into um, most valued into risky bets. When the rich lose income and stop paying, the loss is magnified. And so what they've said is, you know, it, it should have, the loan rates are going up in, in jumbos. You know, we had just, we just bought a house in, in Austin and the, and that bank said we were the last one they funded. It was right when the, everything started shut down. The market was crashing that day. You know, it was like the second shelter in place. Texas was on shelter in place and they funded our loan that day, but they didn't fund any that week you know, after that, you know, and we're, I'm a jumbo loan, you know, and so we started to see a lot of stuff this week with lenders of raising the required credit scores way up, you know, taking things where now 10% conventional was out. Now it's 20% conventional. The, have you, have you heard much of that yet? The, I mean, you're, California is a, is a jumbo market, you know, yeah. LA is a jumbo market. You no, know, I, on that one, on, on that one, I'm going to have to call either BS, right, which I wouldn't usually do with a Bloomberg article. I'll either call BS or uh, wait and see on that one because I'll tell you what I, what I have seen. And, I, you know, I got off the phone just yesterday with, uh, with a big – with a guy that owns a mortgage brokerage firm. And, and what, he is, what he was talking to me about is they're, they're taking – a little more time to fund them, uh, but they are funding them. So I, I don't think, I think, you know, you walk up to the bank and you get the jumbo loan, no problem, you know, because you've got great credit score, you've got, you've got assets. These are, these are not unreliable 
uh, uh, borrowers. They really aren't. And, and I think what's happening inside of that article is that they're taking a little bit more time to do it, but not a ton more time. So a few more days to look at a few more things. You know, for example, employment verification now on a jumbo loan, they're really digging into that a bit more. So uh, now maybe when, you know, you need uh, more service from a bank than you otherwise would. So, so a lot of people got used to rate shopping and I totally get it. When I, when I borrow for a property or for a house, you know, hey, I'm going to go for the lower rate, period, full stop. You know, and the, and the people that had high service were always like, well, you know, we do all this stuff and we hold your hand and we, you know, if it's an extra quarter of a point, and I'm like, huh, extra quarter of a point. I've got my own uh, CFO that's going to run through this stuff and I'm not handling it, you know, uh, let me go for the low service and best price. Now's where uh, you need more service because you catch a little hiccup on underwriting and maybe it's the employment verification, which is the number one thing at least out here, which is causing things to slow down. But you do a little extra legwork on the employment verification and these things are still going through. So what I heard as recently as yesterday was the jumbo loans are going through. It's taking a little more time. They're looking at them a little longer and maybe to uh, a Bloomberg reporter or whatever that's looking at Wells Fargo and the biggest banks, you know, it's, it's, it's really sort of looks more like a bottleneck than it is. Yeah, it, it, it's a good point because what they say is, you know, the availability of them plunged, you know, 37% and rates went up 30 basis points. But what you're saying there is picking your lender now is more important than ever. You know, yeah, and we, we saw that in our just in just our investment deals. You know, we went to a single family rental conference like two months ago. And on the floor, there was 40 different people saying, let us lend you money for your single family rentals, right? Of those 40 that were there, there's two lending today. Right. But that's a, but that's a riskier product. It's a higher lean mm-hmm. stuff. It's not that nobody's doing it, but there's only two of them doing it. Most of them are, are now doing it. So I think you're, you know, it's picking the right lender for those jumbo loans. That's going to be able to help you get through it. Like maybe there is less available, but maybe it's because before there was like, yes, you could go low rate shopping and jump from place to place. Now they're saying, Hey, you can still get approved, but the, but we're not just going to put a quick stamp on it. And you, you mentioned uh, an important point in there, uh, too, that I'll dig out a little bit. And that's, you know, you said in Jumbo that, that the rates hopped up uh, 30 basis points. And, and, and I specifically talked to this broker owner uh, about that. And, and he said that, uh, look, the money is not, of, it's, the money's not harder. It's, there's not less money available, right? And that they're building a little bit of the risk into that little bit of higher rate. And that's what's, that's what's, that's what's making it, in essence, more fluid, right? So like, okay, well, we're a little less certain, but we're going to bump it up 30 basis points. So there's, there's more room in the loan. And that is, that's taking care of it. And that's fair supply and demand, Absolutely. right? That's just like with everything right now. With if we're gonna if we're gonna try to buy an investment property, we're gonna pay a little bit less. When we listed our house on the market, we wanted you know the agent said, "Hey, we can list it up here." We we listed it twenty five grand less than that. We said, "No, we need to get this thing sold right now." Yes. And so it's the same sort of risk. Yeah, reward out there for it. So the so I really liked your perspective on that, man, Paul. That was so much news today. So much real estate news. So much actionable stuff out there for our real estate rock stars at our Rockstar Nation. So Paul, the if they want to reach out to you, I mean, you're doing so much stuff right now with like webinars, things like that, trying to give advice. We're doing a bunch of them on Roddy. I mean, you can you can find me on Instagram or to our, you know, our real estate rock stars, you know, Facebook page. The Paul, where can people find you? I mean, they can find you on the Rockstar stuff, but where else to go see what you're doing? So at 
at Paul Mark with a K Morris uh, is my Instagram handle. It's also uh, Facebook handle. And those are the best two places to get me. Uh, while I have everybody's ear, I can't help but to say that the biggest thing that realtors can do right now to make a difference is reach out to people in an I care message. Now, one of the things that we mentioned today that we talked about is a phenomenal way to do it. So just you know, do the news that we look at, pull out the article that talks about the additional funding and call your whole sphere of influence and say, hey, I was concerned about you. And I, you know, I myself know that, you know, the PPP money or the EIDL money looked like it was running out. And in fact, it did, but they just refunded it. So I'm wondering, did you put the application in? Because if you did, great, you're in line already. If you didn't, there's still time right now. Let me go ahead and send you the link. If you're giving them that call instead of like, hey, can I list or sell or whatever, that's where you're going to jump. Like I said, in my example from number 18 in market share in Malibu, you know, you might not catch Chris Cortaza, who is the number one agent, but you will, you know, you can leapfrog by this sort of activity. And that, and that is a great message for everybody. So that's really such good advice. Grab the news, reach out to them, make sure that they heard that news. The, and if you're one of our people that grab uh, some of our, our courses on Rebus University, we have totally slashed price on that stuff. They're like 99 bucks a piece right now. Normal prices for some of them are 1500 bucks, $2,000. So if you're at home right now and you have time after you make those calls, if you want to do some extra learning and some extra lessons, go check it out. I mean, it's like the coronavirus slash prices because we know right now people want content. They want to learn stuff. There's also a bunch of free webinars that we did the last couple of weeks. It's on our Real Estate Rockstars YouTube page. So uh, go check that out if you're one of our podcast listeners and on the YouTube page. Until next week, Paul, thanks for coming. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. All right. Bye, everyone. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings, and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on a million-dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get, so please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.